Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Shameful. Nothing personal. Word of the day for November 4th, 2021 is shameful. That is the only word that I can use to describe Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Where have we been since Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID in March of 2020? We've been to hell and we're not even back yet. I was reading an article this morning 1,300 more people died just yesterday. We all want to think that COVID is behind us. We're still in a pandemic. And I'm not out here with the battle cry, get vaccinated, although I do think it's insane that people aren't vaccinated. I have no understanding of why that would be. Wear a mask, don't go out, batten down the hatches. No, I'm not going to do that. What I am going to say is that there are certain jobs that some of us have. I just spent the last 17 days in Stanford for the LCS in the World Series in studio. As you can see, I'm not there anymore. If you're on the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, which if you're not, just go on your phone while you're listening to this and just hit subscribe. And it was a pretty simple rule. You have to be vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, then you can't be around. And frankly, there's a, a regulation with Viacom that if you're not vaccinated, you're going to get canned, which is their right. And more and more companies are doing that as they should. And people have the right. And you know where I stood on this, which is you don't want to get vaccinated. Fine. But then you can't be a part of what we're doing here. And if you don't want to be a part of what we're doing, then we'll find someone else who can, because believe me, someone else can. But what about for people who believe that no one can do what they do? And they have this incredibly unique talent. I don't want to say they think they're above the law, although I've come across athletes who think that and corporate CEOs and people in the C-suite and various other people who believe that what their actions have no consequences. I think that we would all be better off if it were simply stated that whatever actions you take will have concomitant consequences. Often people can ignore what those will be, but if you inform people and then actually follow through, then maybe behaviors can change. One of the biggest struggles I ever had running a baseball team is that when we said we were going to do something, if we didn't do it, that's the end of the credibility. You can't tell a player this is our last and final and best offer and then go another year or another one million a year. You can't say that we will not tolerate 
laziness on the field. Somebody jogs to first base in a ground ball and they don't suffer a consequence because then everyone else who's looking, all the other players in the clubhouse, you've lost them because they know that either there are different rules that apply because a player is better or a superstar or that none of the rules apply to anybody, in which case, why have the rules? And we would go through a whole rigmarole every spring training, handing out rules, having the players actually sign a sheet like they're in grade school. I agree to be on time. I agree to not talk back to my manager. I agree to stay in first class physical shape. I agree to not do drugs and not do this, not do that. Well, if you sign something that you're not going to do it, it's not a legal contract, what we have the players sign for their behavior, sort of a moral contract. And as we know, moral contracts don't mean squat. They're unenforceable. There's no money. There's no financial consequence. And I've learned over my years in business that financial consequence is the only language that everybody speaks. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It doesn't matter who you think you are. When it comes down to money, hence the entire concept of this show, when it comes down to money, people tend to change their behavior. Even though people would say, oh, I'm not about money or, oh, I don't care about money. I don't need money. I have money. I don't want more money. I could have more money. I'm good with what I have. Everyone with more money seems unhappy. I'm happy. But if I had money, I'd be more happy, maybe. And then they get more money, then they're less happy. But money is used for consequence. So what we do with players is through collective bargaining, we come up with systems of fines and various penalties that can be assessed for various behaviors, except the fines are not enough to alter the behavior, meaning the consequences are not enough. So the NFL came out with an entire huge protocol sheet, although a sheet doesn't sound big. It was multiple sheets. If you are vaccinated, it is back to normal. You can be unmasked in the team facilities. You can play cards on the team plane. On the road, you can have fun and leave your hotel, which is not as big a deal in the NFL because they spend way fewer nights in hotels. As a matter of fact, if you've got nine road games out of 17, generally teams travel, let's say on a Saturday, but let's even pretend they travel on a Friday. That's two nights times nine trips. That's 18 nights on the road. Let's say the night before a football game, you're going to try not to go out too hard, even though I'm sure they do. So it may be as few as nine nights of insanity. So that's not a huge consequence. You tell a baseball player they can't go out on the road, and it's as though the world has stopped spinning on its axis because they're on the road for 80 nights a year, sometimes more. So you have to be immunized, vaccinated. Ah, that don't wipe that coca. That's a funny Freudian slip, given what we're about to say. So if you're not vaccinated, then you've got to wear a mask at practice facilities. You can't fraternize with people on the plane. You have to stay in your hotel, yada, yada. Aaron Rodgers was asked a very direct question. Yeah, I don't know when it was. Was it before the season? Likely before the season. Are you vaccinated? His response was, yeah, I'm immunized. And everyone wrote, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is vaccinated. They see him around without masks. He's on the sideline without a mask, going to Halloween parties without a mask, whatever he's doing, hanging out with Shalene Woodley, going to the Hunger Games premiere, whatever he's doing, or is it divergent? Whatever she's in. I called Shalene Woodley Yoko Ono on a recent show, and I think she got upset about that. 
No one wants to be known as Yoko Ono, but if the shoe fits, you might as well put it on. So Aaron Rodgers, he grew his hair long and he's this guy who held out, wanted to be traded, then got his contract reworked. You remember all the stories about Aaron holding the entire state of Wisconsin, city of Green Bay hostage with his whims. I don't want to be there. All right, I'm here, but let's rework it. And I told you he's not going to get traded this year, but we'll get traded at the end of 2021. Packers lost game one. He wasn't ready. He didn't go to spring training. He wasn't going to go to minicamp. It's been drama. The guy's the drama queen. Well, lo and behold, the Packers start playing better. They win seven in a row. Everything's looking good. People love Aaron again. Everyone's happy. Then word comes out yesterday that Aaron Rodgers has COVID. Now, I do not wish COVID on anyone given the fact that I had it and it absolutely sucks, the big one. And I still have some taste and smell issues, which I'm going to talk about next, actually, because something happened last night that you would not believe. And stay tuned for that. And uh, he gets COVID. So, all right, you have COVID, you're put in COVID protocols and a vaccinated player with COVID. The rules are that if you have no symptoms, you can be back in as soon as five days. Like it's not a, it's not a huge deal. And then the bomb dropped, which was, oh, by the way, I'm not vaccinated. W what the hell are you talking about? That is shameful. Of course you're vaccinated. And he said, no, no, no. I said, I'm immunized. Well, what the hell does that mean? Apparently immunized is when you get some treatments or you've had COVID, or you feel like you're blessed and touched by the God of health, safety, and the law of averages, but it's not the vaccine. And what we learned yesterday is this slimy quarterback from Wisconsin actually appealed to the NFL and the NFL Players Association to be given an exemption from the vaccination, not citing religion, citing immunization. Not sure what that means. I don't know how you can be immune to something if you're not vaccinated. But I'm not a doctor. I'm not even practicing without a medical license. Guess what the NFL and the NFLPA did? It's random. That's not the word. It is anonymous. So there's no funny business that can go on. When someone appeals for an exemption, it is a blank name. It is the reason for the exemption. And the NFL and the Players Association said, oh, I don't think so. This is not an exemption. You, file number 4569, are subject to the non-vaccinated protocols. So Aaron Rodgers was aware of this. The Packers were aware of this. That's an important point. And guess what? He didn't follow the protocols. But that's not what I'm upset about. I'm upset that he felt the need to snow us. Why is it that you're embarrassed about not being vaccinated if you're an anti-vaxxer, don't want to get vaccinated? Just say I'm not vaccinated. I don't believe in it. I don't want to be vaccinated. That is your constitutional right. It's our right to tell you what you can do and can't do once you're not vaccinated, but you cannot be vaccinated. But Aaron Rodgers lied to the public. I believe he lied to his teammates in the organization, though I also believe that the organization knew that he was subject to the unvaccinated protocols because the teams have to know who's vaccinated and who's not on their own team. So that means the Packers were complicit saying, hey, 
He's healthy. We're good. It's all good. Well, guess what? Now we can't play against the Chiefs. Now that homeopathic treatment that he got from his personal doctor who stayed at a Holiday Inn Express for two nights prior to meeting with Rodgers, who got his antibody levels up to sky-high levels, whatever, you still got it. And the antibody levels are not what the vaccine is for. I want to be clear for those of you who are still not sure whether you should get vaccinated. Getting vaccinated may not stop you from getting COVID, but if you do get COVID, it will stop you from being hospitalized and dying because people are still dying. And you are less likely to transmit the virus to other people who, even if they're vaccinated, could get one of the very, very rare breakthroughs. They could be immunocompromised. They could live with older people, younger people, sick people, healthy people. The fact of the matter is, by lying about your vaccination, in the real world, that's a crime. People are getting charged for faking their vaccine cards. So I have a suggestion for Aaron, who's going to miss the Chiefs game and maybe even the game after, and it's this. You may think that you are above us because you've got an unbelievable right arm. You may think you're above that and above us because you are engaged to an actress. But you know what? Aaron, you're simply shameful. You're below the lowest of the pond scum because you are willing to lie about something that is a once in a lifetime situation that we're going through. And you're willing to do it with a smile on your face. Last night, I was at a charity event. It was the first charity event I've been to in person. It was in New York City, and it was for a organization called Longevity. Longevity is a lung cancer support organization and scientific and research organization where the money raised helps treatments and helps people live longer with lung cancer. I had not been in a crowded room that crowded. It was indoors and we were all vaccinated. I was comfortable. And uh, it was, my sister was supposed to be the chairwoman, chairperson of the dinner and she did not survive. She passed away as you all know on uh, only three months ago. And so it was my sister as the chairperson in memoriam. And so all of these people are telling their stories of success, their stories of the treatments that have worked. And I just kept thinking that we got to keep raising money because it didn't work for her, for my sister. She wasn't that lucky to have the ability to have had the benefit of a treatment that could have helped her live with lung cancer. Instead, she spent two and a half years dying from lung cancer and finally at the end succumbed to lung cancer. And I got to thinking about why we do what we do and how important these events are and whether or not it matters to go to in-person charity events and whether or not during this time of COVID, we've all atrophied because no one wants to be out. But then people just say as part of their speeches, aren't we so happy to be together? But everyone's looking at their watch, wanting to leave early, concerned. Some people wearing masks, some people not, everyone vaccinated. We have changed, the world has changed. 
And we are not back to normal in any way. We may act like it, but we're not. So I just ask, let's just be careful out there. Something else happened to me at this event, and it was a huge moment. On January 20th, when I tested positive for COVID, I lost my taste and smell, and I haven't gotten it back. And last night, I smelled something, and I hadn't smelled something in months, and in many months, and I was uh, so happy, except I got sick. I smelled something so rancid, and I don't know if there's any doctors listening, because I'm going to go call my doctor after the show or maybe go see him today, because the smell was so terrible that I got sick. And I was trying to figure out what it was. And it turned out it was pigs in a blanket, which was one of the hors d'oeuvres that were served. And people were close talking with me, which I had not been used to. And I, and I found myself recoiling. And I'm not a pigs in the blanket person. I'm not a hot dog person. I never liked them to begin with, but they never made me sick. I was in a ballpark for 18 years for crying out loud, meatloaf. And so for me, I didn't know what was happening. So I narrowed it down and I smelled these pigs in a blanket. And that was the smell. Except it didn't smell like a hot dog. So I spoke to the people I was with and said, what does this smell like to you? And they said, it's a pig in a blanket. So I am mighty concerned as I sit here this morning that I'm that my smell is coming back, but I'm going to smell things differently or I'm not going to know what they are, which goes to my deepest insecurity, which is am I engaging in the world in a totally different way than other people are? I call it the 99 to one problem, which is I think something's happening or I think that things are the way they are. And I'm reasonably sure that everybody else thinks it too. And then when I do more discovery and talk to more people, I learn that I'm the only one who views it that way. And then people say, yeah, that's 99 to one, David, you're the one. And the problem with being the one all the time is that it's both exhausting and scary because the feeling, that lonely feeling is so deep and gets so inside your gut that it gets difficult to even manage. And it can lead to anxiety and sleeplessness and all the other things that it can lead to. And last night I was thinking, oh God, now smell could be that too, where I won't know what is what. And it is incredibly disorienting. I don't know, that was in my mind. I just wanted to share with you what I was doing last night. And that's what I was doing. I, I had to give a speech. My sister was supposed to give the speech. I had to give it. And I did. And it felt very difficult to do and very sad because I didn't want to be there. And I got angry. And I didn't tell my family this, but I'm telling you this. I was angry last night. I was angry at my sister. And that made me unbelievably guilty and sad. And it caused me to I've been up since three in the morning, which is sometimes that happens. I mean, I don't sleep a lot, as you know. And I guess I did some reading last night and anger is a stage of grief, apparently. But this was it felt different to me. My anger was that if not for her dying, I wouldn't be at this event. And I would have been home or I would have been watching Survivor, or whatever I would have been doing. But there's nothing in the world she wanted more than not to have it and not to die. As a matter of fact, one of the last things she said to me was, I'm sorry, like apologizing to me that she was dying, knowing what it would mean and what the wake of misery would be that would be left. I don't know why I'm talking about this, Coco. I'm sorry.
anyway. Okay. So you want to talk to Samson. Let's do it, Coco. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's a segment we do for the movie Half-Baked. I wish we did a segment. We should maybe think of doing a segment. All right, all right, all right. We could do that from Dazed and Confused, and that's a segment of things that are happening that are not exactly as they seem, and that's every show has one of those segments. And that could be an all right, all right, all right. Here's the scoop. Anyway, so you want to talk Samson's from Half-Baked, another stoner movie. I don't view Dazed and Confused as or Half-Baked as a stoner movie, actually. They're just great movies. Anyway, here's the question. It was very simply written, and I appreciate that. And it was missing a hello, David, which I do like when you start your questions because I want to say hi back. And sometimes I say hi when I respond in the DMs on Twitter, David P. Sampson. But this was a pretty simple one. News is coming out today. Of course, it leaked yesterday, and it's going to be officially announced today, Thursday, November the 4th. 2021 that Buster Posey is retiring Buster Posey the catcher who opted out of the 2020 season to be with his family during COVID Buster Posey the three-time champion for the San Francisco Giants Buster Posey who helped lead the Giants to an improbable 107 wins this past year Buster Posey said he's done retiring question is Buster Posey a Hall of Famer that's what everybody's asking. That's what we do. It's so unbelievable. We don't let you rest a minute. The, we, we start tracking you as Hall of Famers while you're playing. And there are these articles that are written, who's on the trajectory to be a Hall of Famer? And they've been in the league for like 10 minutes. And then when they're in the league for five years or eight years or seven years, it starts being said, ooh, is he going to be a Hall of Fame? Let's measure his war. Let's see where his stats are. Why can't we just let them play the reason why you wait five years after a player retires or is done from baseball, not voluntarily retired, but just not good enough to be on a team anymore. And then they are in consideration to be added to the Hall of Fame ballot. And then once on the ballot, you can stay on the ballot for 10 years before being elected if you get more than 5% of the vote. So in five years, which will be 2027, two, three, four, five, six, the in January of 27 is when he'll be eligible to be elected to the Hall of Fame. And the question is, is he a Hall of Famer? And at first glance, you'd say, of course, he's a Hall of Famer. This is Buster Posey. This is that seven time all star. This is that guy who hit over 300. This is the guy with three rings. But if you think about it, Buster Posey only has 1500 hits. That's half the number of hits that generally was supposed to be needed to get into the Hall of Fame as a hitter. You needed 3,000 hits as sort of a baseline, but now no one gets 3,000 hits because the era of getting 200 hits a year is past. And by the way, 200 hits a year is unbelievable. Coca, will you do a quick check? Did anyone in baseball this full season get 200 hits? You have to get that for 15 years in a row to hit 3,000 hits. I hope you like my math. 500 home runs used to be guaranteed. 400, yeah, 300. It's highly unlikely you're not going to be in the Hall of Fame. Parker Posey, Buster Posey, has 158 home runs. 
The league leader in hits this year, by the way, was Trey Turner. Thank you, Coca, with a buck 95. That means over a full season of 162 games, not one hitter got 200 hits. Why would you get hits when you can strike out all the time and still get paid? So while Posey does have 158 home runs and 1,500 hits and hit 301, and we have to change how we evaluate Hall of Famers, which I agree we have to do, Buster Posey is not a shoe-in Hall of Famer. He's definitely not a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's for sure. Could he build his case over three, four, five, six years and then get in? Yeah, but that's because we have so far lowered the requirements, if you will, to be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm not saying Buster Posey was mediocre by any stretch. We played against him. He started in 09. I think he was up for a cup of coffee in 09. Coco was telling me before the show, which I didn't remember. And then much more full-time in 10 when he was considered a rookie and the Giants won the World Series. He was one of those... He's not going to beat us, guys. That's how good he was. But I think you have to do it for a longer period of time than what Buster did. But this day and age, he's going to make it. So I'm just going to answer your question as cleanly and clearly as possible. Is Buster Posey, this is what Coca said, just answer people's questions. Okay. Is Buster Posey a Hall of Famer? Yes. Should he be a Hall of Famer? No. Will he be a Hall of Famer? Yes. Thank you for your question. I have a correction. I want to explain again for those of you new to the show, and there are a lot of you. We got our October numbers. Thank you for helping us have a record month. And we're going to set another record in November if we keep going. I do 45 minutes with Coca. He's in my ear and on a living document, which just has topics, but nothing else, because we don't know what we're going to say or what detours I'm going to take. And I say things that are wrong because I'm not perfect and it happens. I love when you correct me. Please keep DMing me with things that are wrong in the show because I'm going to correct them. Well, guess what? I sang a song the other day called This Land is Your Land, This Land is My Land, and I said it was by Pete Seeger. Oi, This Land is Your Land is by Woody Guthrie. Pete Seeger is the guy who wrote Where Have All the Flowers Gone? And If I Had a Hammer, If I Had a Hammer, I'd Hammer in the Morning. Woody Guthrie is This Land is Your Land. Thank you for that correction. And thank you for listening and watching the show, Mom. All right, we'll be right back. We come back. We're going to review Lansky, but we're also going to talk about the Boston Celtics and the trouble that they're having right now up in Boston. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, and for helping Nothing Personal by telling your friends about it. We watch a movie every day. I do. Coca doesn't. Coca's been watching more. Coca, would you say that you watch more now since you started working with me on Nothing Personal? Or would you say that you are watching the same number? My view is you're watching more, but that really is just my view. He says he does watch more. I just don't tell people what I watch. That's because it's not your voice on the show for another 22 episodes. Remember, Coca, you promised to do a sit down with me at episode 500. We're already up to 478. When you made that promise, you didn't think there was a tinker's damn chance that we'd make it to 500. Guess what? You're totally screwed. I'd get ready. We are 22 episodes away. By the way, that's soon, isn't it? By the end of this week, we'll be at 479. That's 21. You do five a week. That's four weeks. That's going to be pretty much in the early part to mid part of December. Outstanding. Okay. Lansky. Ever heard of Meyer Lansky? Meyer Lansky was a mobster, was basically one of the pioneers of Las Vegas of gambling, both here in the States and also in Cuba. He was someone who had a very complicated life. And there have been plenty of movies about him. He's been betrayed by people like Ben Kingsley in the movie Bugsy, which is a movie that I strongly suggest. In this new movie on Amazon, he is portrayed by Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel, the wolf from Pulp Fiction, or the cleaner from Pulp Fiction, and the wolf maybe in Reservoir Dogs. Anyway, he's been in a bunch of Quentin Tarantino movies. He is incredibly, incredibly successful and brilliant. I believe he was also with uh, Anna Paquin in the Academy Award-winning movie called, uh, I want to say it was called The Piano. What was the movie with Anna Paquin, who she won an Oscar? And I believe Holly Hunter was in it too. I believe Harvey Keitel was in that movie as well, Coca. It should be easy to find. While I'm reviewing Lansky, let me know because I want people to watch that because that's a young Anna Paquin winning an Oscar. Anyway, so this movie is called Lansky. It is called The Piano. Thank you. It's amazing the things that I can remember and the things that I forget. So Sam Worthington stars as a writer writing a book about Meyer Lansky and Meyer Lansky spins this yarn about his life. And we don't know whether or not it's true or not true. Sam Worthington of Avatar fame. You have Derek Jeter's ex-girlfriend, Minka Kelly, who stars as well. And it is not being reviewed well. And I don't know why. It's 120 minutes of your time, and I would strongly suggest you see it because his story is fascinating. And while there's other ways you can learn about it, like reading a book or reading articles online, the two movies to watch in tandem, and I've asked you to watch Bugsy before, but please watch Bugsy and Lansky. And I've been thinking about the order because remember when uh, Churchill and The Darkest Hour came out and Dunkirk came out at the same time, and I said, those are two movies that you should watch in tandem. And I suggested to you an order in which to watch them. Here with Bugsy and Lansky, they are very complimentary, but totally different. I would start with Lansky and then watch Bugsy because Lansky will introduce you to Ben Siegel, whose nickname was Bugsy. And then Bugsy, played by Warren Beatty, will take you through the rest of the story of Bugsy and Meyer Lansky. Check them both out.
what's interesting to me about the NBA is that we are very, very early in the season, but it's almost 10% over, actually. The Heat are the number one power-ranked team. The Dallas Mavericks with Luka stink. The Bucks are struggling, but half their team has COVID. The Celtics, as you may recall, are supposed to be good. They've got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. Brad Stevens, their coach, remember, went upstairs. He resigned from coaching, became the president of the team. So they've been sort of playing under the radar, but the focus has been on the Knicks and the Atlantic Division. Is it still called the Atlantic Division? I may have just aged myself. It may not be. It may be. But something came out yesterday that blew my mind. I talked to you about how hard I worked to have the players keep everything inside the clubhouse. It is so important. When you are with a team, it's your family for the season. And it's not your family long term because every family changes. What team family changes every year. There's no running it back. There's never the same 12 players. Things change every year. So every year when you get to training camp or spring training, you start with the getting to know you and figuring out the family dynamics, who's going to be the alpha male, who's going to be in charge, who's going to be the enforcer, who's going to be the snitch, who's going to be the sort of path to the front office, who's going to get the playing time. All of that sort of just happens and the family grows together. You spend a ton of time together and then there's fighting. Every team has fighting during the course of a season. I don't care what sport. It's, it's, it's a 100% guarantee, but you keep it in house. Now, once it's out of the house, I don't love the comment that teams give, Hey, we're just going to keep this internal. Well, you didn't keep it internal. That's why we know about it. If you kept it internal, we wouldn't know about it. We wouldn't be able to ask you the question. So by definition, when you ask a question, we have not done our job. Self-inflicted wounds, crater teams. A self-inflicted wound is when you have lazy players. A self-inflicted wound is when you have talkative players, players who take the dirty laundry and air it publicly. Self-inflicted wounds are when people do things to themselves that injure themselves. Self-inflicted wounds are when people are not physically ready to play. They're not working as hard as they should work, and therefore they get outworked and outplayed and your team loses. Self-inflicted wounds are when you don't pay attention to scouting reports because you don't care, and then you're not able to do your job as well as you could. But to me, the biggest self-inflicted wound that a team or a player can inflict upon his team is when you talk badly of a teammate. It's not necessary. It doesn't help. Marcus Smart called out his teammates. And you know how he did it? The Celtics lost a game and he came out and said, which is pretty amazing that he would do this. He said, you know what the problem is with our team? I'm just sitting there in the corner and I know that those guys are not going to pass me the ball. And he was talking about Tatum and Brown. Obviously, that is the ultimate in selfishness. Now, this is coming from the player who got suspended for the last preseason game because he couldn't make the team charter on time and missed the flight, so they just suspended him. My guess is that was purposeful. The Celtics hired a new coach, Ime Udoka. He's three and five. 
They have the first, fourth worst record in the Eastern Conference, and they were supposed to be one of the favorites. So when you are the president of the team like Brad Stevens and Marcus Smart goes public saying those guys aren't passing me the ball, which is the number one thing you don't say in basketball because passing the ball and ball movement and selfishness, that's really a prescription for disaster. Baseball players can be a lot more selfish than basketball players because baseball at its core happens to be an individual sport. So Brad Stevens did something that was necessary and smart. He immediately called the team meeting, got it out in the open, but they released it as a players only meeting. We've done that before. We make the players meet. We would say, Hey guys, you got to deal with this. We're not going to be in here. We're going to step out. The front office is going to step out. The manager is going to step out. The clubhouse guys, you guys have a players only meeting. You saw the Yankees do it several times this season with all their ups and downs. Some players meetings are player generated. Some players only meetings are front office generated. Brad Stevens is no fool. I'll bet you dollars to donuts that this players only meeting was front office generated. Because when you have a players only meeting, you are then allowed to meet the media, say you have the players only meeting, say we worked it out, say we're all good. And it has more credibility when you say it's a players only meeting. So it's not as though it's a talking to or a tongue lashing by the front office. I never wanted to do that. I had to do it a few times during my career, but you don't really want to do it often because you want to treat men like men, adults like adults until they prove that they need to be or deserve to be treated otherwise. Marcus Smart has proven that he needs to be treated otherwise, but the most effective way to get the most out of your team is to get the players to police themselves. We would always, here's a little secret, little detour, Coca. Before every season in spring training, we'd be in Jupiter. And every single one of my years, I identified a player, including my first year in the game. I identified one to three players was all I wanted to do because three to me was more than 10% of the team because a team had 25 people, right? So two and a half players would be 10% of the team. So two to three is a great number. Sometimes it's just one. But the reason I would go two to three is I would also do it along racial lines. Clubhouses in baseball are very often clicky. You have the people who speak Spanish in one area. You've got the black players in one area, you have the white players in one area. And the most valuable players are those who are able to cross barriers. The number one example of that in my career was Martin Prado. Martin Prado was a part of every single click that we had in the Marlins clubhouse. He was able to be with everyone. There's other people who can cross over, but generally this is a general rule of thumb. So you have to make sure that you're communicating with everybody in the clubhouse. By the way, that's the reason why we have music rules in the clubhouse. Second detour. Music rules are how you decide what music is played in the clubhouse. When you have a clubhouse that doesn't get along, you actually make a rule, no music, and everyone wears headphones. I never wanted to do that because that leads to 25 guys, 25 taxis, which leads to, in my opinion, a team that doesn't want to be in the trenches together. That's an unfortunate expression. It's not war. It leads to a team that doesn't want to work as hard as they need to for each other. So we would do with music is each click would get to choose the music on a particular day and we'd rotate. It led to a very eclectic music 
choice. Now, some players, if they didn't like the music that was being played, they would put their noiseless headphones on while their music was not being played. You can't do anything about that. So I would go up to the players and I would say, listen, here's where we are and here's what we need. We need you to be in charge of this clubhouse throughout the season. And I'll be of assistance to let you know when there's certain things that I need to get communicated to the players. But I want you to please rule the roost. When you see players are not hustling, you see players are violating team rules. When you see players are not, are bitching and moaning about doing community events. When you see things that are detrimental to the success of our club, can you be the one so it doesn't have to be me or the manager? So Brad Stevens is that smart. Not that doesn't mean that I'm that smart, but Brad Stevens agrees with that. Had the players call players only meeting. And it didn't work because after the meeting, Brown, one of their players, good player, went public and said, hey, yeah, we had the meeting. Marcus Smart spoke at the meeting. And I would say his comments were not that much helpful. <laughs> oh, my God. If you're going to have a players only meeting and then tell the media about it, you have to stop the story. What you have to say is, hey, we had the players only meeting and then follow the script, man. Just say, hey, it went well. Everything's good. We're all set. Instead, now there's another day of stories because he said oh, his comments weren't necessarily helpful. Hey, Brad, back to the drawing board. OK, nothing personal pick of the day. Did you see the Grizzlies Nuggets game? I was at the event, so I didn't see it. I knew the Grizzlies were giving one and a half and the Nuggets were winning when I was looking. The Grizzlies won by two points. That's my guy, Ja. We're 144 and 128. All right, we have a Thursday night game. It's the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Stop the presses. It's another NFL night. I think the NFL is going to keep going. They have Thursday, Sunday, Monday. And then later in the season, they take Saturday. I think it's... They're going to get a Tuesday night game eventually, right? Just has to happen. Why wouldn't they? Jets playing the Colts. Jets are getting 10 and a half from the Colts. To, to bet on the Jets requires a level of stupidity that only I have. A level of hubris that only a guy who's 16 over 500 as the calendar turns to November. So he's got some breathing room in terms of the picks of the day for this season. I'm taking the Jets in the 10 and a half. I watched the Colts and who's that quarterback, Coca? Andrew Luck. Is that possible? Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. Thank you. Was Andrew Luck ever the quarterback of the Colts? I may have the wrong guy. So Carson Wentz, and I found him to be ineffective in the game I watched. I'm taking the Jets. So did you notice that the NFL trade line passed? It was on November 2nd. That's one thing where baseball does not have to be jealous of the NFL. Baseball's trade deadline is so awesome. Players moving left and right, live on the air, breaking news. The NFL trade deadline is a dud every year. But this year had unbelievable excitement because will Deshaun Watson be traded or not? Well, guess what? Deshaun Watson wasn't traded, which was our way to see. We knew he wasn't going to be traded. But I need to talk about something that happened with the Deshaun Watson situation that was staggering. There were rumors going around that the Dolphins had a trade in place for Deshaun Watson. There were further rumors going around. Both of these things turned out to be true and are true, that the Dolphins had an agreement worked out, but did not want to trade for Watson until his litigation and legal problems were behind him. 
which means the Dolphins had a vested interest in Deshaun Watson settling all of the cases with the 22 litigants, the 22 women who gave him massages, the 22 women who are accusing him of sexual misconduct, the 22 women who have a lawyer who are going to take him to court. And the Dolphins made it clear that we will not trade until it's all settled. Does that mean the Dolphins engaged in settlement talks with the women? No. Does it mean the Dolphins made Deshaun Watson engage in settlement talks? No. But what it does mean is the Texans knew that the only way to trade Watson and get the full haul that they wanted, all those number ones and number twos, was to get Deshaun Watson to settle. If you think that the Dolphins did not communicate their need to get this settled to both the Texans and Deshaun Watson's camp, you are living in a dream world. And Chris Greer, the GM of the Dolphins, denied the whole thing. He actually said, it pisses me off that you think we were involved. Don't give me your semantics. Greer said, I think any suggestion that this organization would be dealing behind the scenes and trying to influence decisions is absolutely ridiculous and categorically false. To say that we'd be involved in all that is just flat wrong. It pisses me off. I'm sorry. Really, Chris? Horse hockey. You went on to say it's part of my job as general manager to investigate every avenue. This is your quote, Chris. It's my job as GM to investigate every avenue and potential players that may or may not be available. We've done it from day one. What's the first avenue you're going to investigate when trading for Deshaun Watson? Roger Goodell, what's his suspension? When you don't get an answer, and the answer is, well, we have to see what happens with the litigation, then exploring every avenue certainly means you are going to see what's going on with the litigation, try to get the litigation to go away because you want to trade for Deshaun Watson. Just say it. Just acknowledge it. He spent so much time saying it pisses me off. It's absolutely ridiculous. But then saying it's my job. It's what I do and I'm going to keep doing it. Don't worry about Tua. He's our quarterback until he's not. It makes you good at your job, Chris. Of course you want Watson to settle. But here's why Watson wouldn't settle. But he's going to eventually. I've got to wait to see on that. The reason why he won't settle is he wants a provision that will allow him to control the narrative going forward. And the women do not want that provision. They want to be in charge of their own story. They want to be empowered with their own truth. Deshaun Watson doesn't want to settle and then have it be thought that he is guilty. People always say that. We paid the fine without admitting guilt. We settled the lawsuit without admitting wrongdoing. Well, I've been in baseball for 18 years, and I'll tell you right now, we didn't settle one lawsuit or pay one amount of money because we were right. We did a math calculation and said if the legal fees are greater than the settlement amount, likely we're going to pay the settlement amount. Sometimes we'd stand on principle and pay the lawyers and not pay a settlement amount and take it all the way and outlawyer people to death until they had to drop their suit. But make no mistake, if you are Deshaun Watson, you are settling for one reason only, because you do not want to subject yourself to a jury. It's just business. It's nothing personal. 
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.